Picture this with me. Jesus had just started his ministry. He had come back to the Galilee. He had been off getting baptized and in the wilderness and going through temptations. And he comes back and he's by the Sea of Galilee. He has moved out of his hometown. And I don't know the time frame, but it was soon thereafter that he was invited to come back, to come back to his home synagogue and to, to bring the message that day, to take a passage from Scripture and teach about what it was saying to them. And he gets there and he says, give me Isaiah. Give me a book that was written almost 800 years before I read it. And he opens it. And he tells them these words. He says, this is in Luke chapter 4, this story is. We're going to be in verses 14 through 21, but what he says from the scripture is in 18 and 19. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He wants them to know that he's not just that, the kid down the street anymore. That he had started something. That the Messiah, the long-awaited one, was on the scene. So that's how he starts. He says, I have been anointed that he wants to make sure that they know that he is the one, the one that they had waited for, some of them 800 years since this scripture, some of them over 1,000 to 2,000 years since the time of King David and Moses, and even all the way back before that, from Abraham and Adam, and all the way back to the beginning of time, the world had been longing for a savior, humanity, had been needing a savior. And he wanted to make sure that they knew he was it. He was on the scene. So he tells them that. And then he explains what he was about, what his mission was, what he was gonna be doing, why he was been doing what he'd been doing, why he had been doing these healings and these powerful things. So he tells them and he says, first, I will proclaim good news to the poor and free the captives. We're going to break it down in two parts because it made sense to me. <laughs> the poor. To Jesus and to us, the poor is of two senses. The first sense is those who are materially poor, those who don't have much, who don't have much money, or who are barely getting by. And then the other sense is those who are spiritually poor, those who need the Lord, which is all of us the last time I checked, those who are humble before God and place their trust in him because they understand that they are poor in spirit. Jesus talks about this in another place. Uh, he, he says 
in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, which is all of us. And he says, I will free the captives. And this is, of course, in, in many senses, those who are actually in slavery, those who have slavery to addictions and these kind of things, but also freedom from the captivity of sin and death in their lives. That he was there to forgive these things, as only God can forgive them. And so he says, I'm to proclaim the good news. The good news for those who are poor in spirit, those who are, are captive, is the same message that Christ has come. And that he is on the scene, that he has freed us from those things. He has died for our sins and raised us up to life and offers the abundant life that only Christ can offer. I'm a little fired up this morning, y'all. Can you tell? Second, he says, I have come to recover the sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Two senses, right? It's a, it's a Jesus thing. And, uh, you know, we talked about in seminary a lot the both and rather than the either or. It's both this and that. So that's what Jesus is doing here. That those who are blind are those who have poor vision, of course. Which if you have poor vision, I'm, I'm sorry for you. I got 20-10, so I don't struggle with that necessarily. I'm not bragging, but toot toot. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but you know, the, I, I used to think it would be really cool to wear glasses, but then my wife Julie showed me the bill uh, for her contacts and uh, new glasses, and I was like, I'm good. You know, I'm good, Lord. Like, I'm, I'm good. So it's those who are physically blind and those who are spiritually blind. One of my favorite all-time hymns, and I know it's a little bit cliche, but it's Amazing Grace. Any Amazing Grace fans in the house? Yeah, that's what I thought. What's up? The first lines, first verse says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This is where that comes from. It talks about how we have been lost in our ways, but that God has found us, that Jesus has found us where we are at. We probably even weren't looking for him because that's what God does. He pursues us and that we were blind. We were blind in that spiritual sense. We couldn't see what God was doing. We couldn't see what God had done for us, what God is doing for others, what God has done for this world and is doing for this world. We were blind spiritually because when you're blind in that way, you can't see those things. Everything else moves in around you, gives you tunnel vision, maybe even blocks your forward side as well. Recovery of sight to the blind. And he also talks about bringing freedom to the oppressed. He separates the oppressed 
from the captives as he went about doing this part, about setting people free from the oppression of physical ailments, of things that were holding them back in their lives. He was healing people. He was bringing the good word. Of course, it's about those who are oppressed, not just by society and the world, but those who are oppressed by the sin condition that we humans have. That he was there to free them, to free us from that oppression. Sometimes we don't even recognize that oppression in our lives and in the world around us. But all I have to do is turn on the news. When I go to my parents' house and we turn on the news, it sometimes sickens me, the things that I see. And then I remember who we are without Jesus. And it's a dark place without him. Lastly, he says, reinforces his message and mission by talking about the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilation at the fact that he was on the scene and he would start to set things right. It's not perfect yet, but one day it will be, he says. The year of the Lord's favor is upon us. The hard things still happen, but God is there with us through it all. After speaking these words, everyone was, of course, looking at him. He was teaching, but he was also reading a piece of scripture that they knew that this were the, these were the words that the Messiah was going to speak someday, that this was a prophecy about the Messiah. They knew that, and they wondered about that. Is this him? So he says plainly, yes, I am he. I am the one who was to come. By you hearing these words, this prophecy has been fulfilled. And at first, it says they're excited. Hooray, you're here. It's you. And then... It takes a turn. And they take him out. They run him out of the town saying, you're just Joseph's son. You're, you're that kid from down the street. And the thing that they were mad about is that after he says these words, this amazing thing, after he said he's, he's the Messiah and that things were going to start to be set right, he says, hey, and by the way, this includes everyone. This isn't just about those who think they're good, who do the right things. This is about everybody. He goes back to the Old Testament, and he brings up Elijah and Elisha, these prophets, who in times of great need, they actually went outside of Israel, which is unheard of. And they blessed people who were Gentiles. Gentile meaning those who weren't culturally Jewish or didn't practice the Jewish religion or both. 
This made them so mad. They try to kill him. We got to go to this place last year when we were in Israel. We got to go to Nazareth, to his hometown. And the, one of the places that we stopped was the place where they said this happens, that they take him to, to the edge of this cliff and they're, they're wanting to throw him off because once you threw him off, they'd kind of knock him out and then you'd start stoning him to death. He walks through their myths, goes on his way. But I, I want you to imagine with me that you go back home. You go back to your home church. They've invited you to come back. It's a church homecoming. They still do those church homecomings, I promise you. I've been at some of them. They're pretty fun. And you're there, and they've invited you to actually preach that day. And you bring the message. You have, you've been working on it for six months beforehand, and, and you're like, yes, this is it. This is my time. I get to talk to my friends, my family, my loved ones about the Lord and what, he, what he, the Lord is doing. And you bring it. And people are shouting hallelujah. They're singing every song. They're standing up. They're raising their hands. All sorts of great things are happening. People are being saved left and right. You got people signing up for missions and Bible studies. And everyone who's not a member that day, they become a member. Yeah. Everything's going well and Y'all head over to the fellowship hall, and y'all are having a dinner, y'all are eating. And a few people come up, and they say, man, that was good. That's amazing. That's incredible. I remember you when you were this big. They had a grasshopper. And someone else, a few others, are kind of grumbling. You go over and it's kind of the town elders, people who run things. You're like, hey, what's going on? Is everything all right? And they say, I know you. Ain't you Tish and Brian's and Rebecca and Donald's son? That's my parents' and step-parents' name, in case you're wondering. You're Joe and Dot's grandson. Lucille and Neely are your grandparents as well. Who are you trying to fool, boy? Or girl? There's your brothers over there. John and Jake and Warren. Your sisters are over here. Libby and April. We know you. We know your kids. You've been here. You need to watch out, they say. You need to mind your manners. Get off your high horse before something bad happens to you or something happens to your kin. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. Sounds crazy, though, right? Sounds crazy that people would be like that. But that's what happens here. They miss it. They miss 
the fact that who was standing before them was Jesus. He wasn't the kid down the street. This was the Messiah coming in power, coming in the Holy Spirit, bringing those things. They missed who was standing right in front of them because they were focusing on the wrong thing. And I think if we're honest, sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we miss the point. And instead we need to remember that we as followers of Christ are called to continue his mission by doing what he says in this passage. So I have something to admit. I, I love serving here as y'all's pastor. It's awesome. <laughs> I love Wesley. I love each one of you. If I haven't told you personally, I do. You're awesome. You're great people. And I love this place for a lot of reasons, Beaumont and Southeast Texas. For more than just the food, though it's pretty good around here, <laughs> obviously. Weren't you like 200 pounds when you got here? Yeah, it's okay. Gained a little weight, it's okay. But one of the main reasons is because of everything this church does in the community and around the world for missions. It's so impressive. I mean, I, I, when I preached about it last fall, it, it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, thousands of hours of people volunteering their time, amazing stuff, lots of people's lives impacted. But my thought was is that we can't get comfortable in this. I'm not about to drop anything that's going to sound way out of the ordinary. What I'm going to drop on you is that we can do more. That as we go out, as we're feeding the hungry food, let's feed them Jesus as well. As we clothe people, give them those clothes or jackets, keep them warm, give them shoes, these kind of things. So too should we clothe them with the warmth of God's kindness. As we, and I mean each of us, not just pastors and staff, go and visit those who are sick and imprisoned. Let us pray for them to be healed. But let us also visit those and pray for those who need healing of all of us who are spiritually sick. As we free those that we have oppressed in our own lives and to help those to become free that the world has oppressed. We are to pray for people to be freed from the oppression of sin. As we do building projects both here and abroad, let's also build people up in the Lord. As we plant seeds in a garden, let's also plant seeds of forgiveness and hope. Because it is, it is when we do these things that we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ through both our words and our actions. And that, after all, is the mission 
to know God and to make God known, to be disciples and to make disciples, to be loved and to love, to take seriously who Jesus was and what Jesus did, and to imitate him in what we do in our daily lives. So I have a bit of a confession to make this morning uh, that I want to get off my chest. I've been holding this in for a little while, but I'm a country boy. Oh, whew. I wasn't sure if y'all knew that. Maybe y'all missed it at some time or another, but it's, it's true. I, I mean, I'm talking wear my boots. I would have worn them this morning, but I'm up here from like six till like late today, so I needed to wear more comfortable shoes, otherwise the boots would be on. Spent summers and holidays at my family ranch. Wore a cowboy hat to my wedding. I'll show you pictures someday if you don't believe me. Ask Julie. She thought I looked extra good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> listen to country music. First, first, you listen to this. I made somebody the other day with this. My first concert was back in 1993. I got to see George Strait at the Rodeo Houston. I mean, yeah, that's right, King George, what's up? Um, they were like, wow, your first concert? I was like, yeah, I was spoiled. <laughs> I know how to drive a tractor. I know you're amazed. I've helped deliver calves. I can fix fence. I haul hay and work cattle. I mean, country, y'all. Country. Don't let the suit fool you. Though I look good, you know. One of the most enjoyable things to do on a farm or ranch is to go out and to see a field that has been plowed up, that has been planted before it's started to yield the crop, before it started to grow. And I just love it. I love seeing a field like that. It's kind of like a blank canvas. And if you think about that, we're also, I mean, we saw in the video, we as Christians have a field as well. It's called the mission field. Waiting to be planted and grown. So don't be like those who first heard this message and missed it. Don't miss what and who is standing right in front of you, whoever that may be. Don't forget that Jesus is with you as you go. Don't miss the fact that we as followers of Christ have that field all around us each day. We step into that field the moment that we wake up and step out of our beds. As the video said earlier, it's wherever we are, wherever we go during our days. And if we aren't careful, we can miss it. Miss an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ. Miss the fact that those around us are in great need, whatever that need may be. People are in need. Miss how many people who are sick and dying in both spiritual and physical ways. Miss the fact that we are connected to each other whether we like it or not. Miss that as a congregation, 
We are to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So Mission Sunday, so my challenge is that you would take this and whatever you did last year for missions, that you would do more. And that's up to you, that's between you and God. But if you wanna come talk to me about it, we have a lot of opportunities. Come to the lunch later. You can hear more about what's going on. If you have an idea of another mission, come and, come and bring it to me. I would love to talk about it. I would love for us to do more as a community of faith. So get involved and continue to do as much as you can to expand the kingdom of God each and every day. Let me pray. God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for the impact that it has on our lives. We ask us to go into the mission field and to do all that you have called us to do.